Welcome to Gender Critical Story Hour, and we've got a special Women's Day uh, edition with Heather, Heather Mason, my friend and sister in the movement. Where are we going, Heather? I'm going back to Grand Valley. <laughs> oh my God. How does that make you feel? Um, I'm definitely nervous right now. I kind of feel sick. Um, I haven't been back there. So this is going to be strange. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. Um, it brings up a lot of stuff for you, I'm sure. Yeah, and I have friends there too that I haven't seen since I was released. So it's like I'm so close to them, but I'm still so far. Right? So. Yeah. So Grand Valley Institute, can you tell us, um, first of all, what, what that is and... Um, why women go there? So Grand Valley is a prison for women. It's the only federal prison in Ontario for women. Um, and that's where I was incarcerated. So when you're sentenced to two years plus a day, you go to federal. Um, so women would go there. Um, and there's also provincial jails, but those are for crimes that are less than two years. And how many women would be at Grand Valley? There's usually around 200 or just under 200, and that's spread across the three different security levels, so maximum, medium, and minimum. Right. And what kind of living accommodations are they in? So max is pods, so they're kind of like a range. Um, and then your medium compound is houses. So there's nine bedrooms in each house, and there's usually about 10 girls, because one room is double. Some of the houses have two double bunk rooms, um, but not all of them. And then if you're minimum security, you can choose to stay in medium security. I did. So I was a minimum security inmate or prisoner, and I chose to stay in the medium compound instead of going up the hill to the minimum unit. Um, Why did you do that? Because the way they have it set up is medium, you actually have more room, more freedom, more programming, more everything, because there's a bigger population on medium. Mm -hmm. And with minimum, you're expected to basically be almost done your sentence and already be approved for escorted temporary absences or unescorted temporary absences or work release. So they have less programming and stuff to do up the hill because they're assuming that you're going to be out on releases. And okay. I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't eligible. I guess I kept putting in requests and they would lose my requests. I put in a new request and then yeah. it just I at that point I was like I'm not even going to bother with the ETAs or the work release. Right. And so 
I guess just like any other government department, like there's tons of um, admin and bureaucracy that goes with with housing uh, women or men in institutions and so on. And and like these are huge budgets, right? Which is one of the reasons um, why, especially for women, um, there's a prison abolition movement, right? Like it's like this. You're not getting your value for dollar to the taxpayer either, right? No, you're not. So it costs like approximately $200,000 a year to incarcerate one federally sentenced woman. So like right now we have approximately 70 women in Grand Valley for addiction problems. So we're going to pay $200,000 per woman to incarcerate this year. That's going to be millions of dollars. There's no treatment. There's no trauma counseling. There's none of the programming that addicts need inside prison, which means they're just going to get out and they're going to use and commit crime and end up back in. And that's what keeps happening. And also with COVID lockdowns, they haven't had an NA, so a Narcotics Anonymous or an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in that institution in a year, last March. That is extremely shocking. I find that very shocking that that would be one of the, 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 the things that is set by the wayside uh, during these lockdowns. It's happening for people on the outside. It's happening for people on the inside they're volunteers right so there's nothing to do with money it's the fact that they won't let the volunteers even come in and hold the meeting right so they really don't have any excuse because the world is still going on outside people are going to work people are going to school people are going to daycare people are going to the grocery store they're going to na meetings outside so if there's well, a, a lot of them were, from what I understand, were done over Zoom. They started being, are they going back for, for AA and NA? Are they going back? Well, it depends on what city you're in. But oh, my course. hometown, right. they were doing in-person meetings. They were at 30% capacity. All the way through? So at the initial, at the beginning, they were yeah. Zoom. And then we opened meetings up in the summer. We were having backyard barbecues, like bonfire yeah. meetings. And they did, nice. did meetings all the way up until we were locked down again. And I think they're starting wow. up again. And I don't think you can get the same. I mean, okay, it's fine, whatever. But nothing beats an in-person fellowship, right? Yeah. Especially I, for people who are struggling. Yeah, you definitely need in-person. Um, it makes it like the human connection, right? Like, I'm even really struggling with all this Zoom stuff because I live alone. I work um, on Zoom, I go to school <laughs> by Blackboard, you know what I yeah. mean? So it's like, and any meetings or anything that I have, phone calls, they're all screened. So I'm yeah. only screen time, screen time, screen time. Like I know, it's really I've, hard. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed like my mental health, like the isolation and like all of those things, um, which is like, I'm aware of them and I'm having these issues outside and I have um, support systems and I have things set up to help me but the women inside they don't have any of that set up right so one of the biggest factors for um, people who struggle with addiction is dealing with loneliness loneliness and boredom those are the two main pushers for um, using drugs 
So yeah. they're sitting there on idle hands, boredom, loneliness, not getting counseling, no supports, no outside volunteers, visits canceled, and they're expected to just be able to cope, to know how to deal with everything. And it's just, it blows my mind. And they wonder why they had such an issue the last, like, um, this fall and in the summer with drugs in the institution. They had a really big problem with drugs. Well, no wonder. Yeah. <laughs> how, did, how did the drugs get into the institution? Um, so drugs come in, drones drop them. That's like huge. Drones? Huge oh in Collins God. Bay. Yeah, Collins Bay is always getting oh, drone wow. drops. Yeah, my buddy was always locked down. Um, but it's not so bad with the women's side. We don't really get a whole lot of drugs. The guys get everything, man. They get cell phones. They get everything. Like, we're, we only get stuff, like, every couple months. And a lot of the times, it's guards. So, like, our tobacco, right. um, yeah. we, we get from guards. And, um, so it's not so much. So some of the guards are, like, corrupt. Oh, for sure, right? Some inmates yeah. bring it in, too. But, like, right. currently, we have the x-ray machines that they're supposed to be using. Then they're in two-week quarantine upon a mission. And then if they're being transferred to federal, then they're, they're quarantined another two weeks once they get to federal. So are right. we saying that these women are coming into provincial and keeping that package hooped for two weeks in a quarantine cell by themselves right. and then keeping okay, it now hooped I'm gonna, for another two weeks? That's prison prison lingo. Hooped. Yes, hooped. Hooped means inside your body, correct? That means up your crotch, yeah. Which one? Your vagina. Bum? Why, would, why would you stick it up your butt if you have a vagina? Okay. I don't like things up my butt. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, they're... I've only heard... I've only ever heard hooped in, like, as a joke in in relation to bum. <laughs> hooped. Well, that's for men. But, yeah, yeah. Okay. Men hooped so, up their butt. So, so the women have adopted the terminology for, for their hoo-hoo. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, we're getting silly because um, we're halfway to, uh, well, about halfway to Kitchener right now from Toronto. And uh, like we said, we're in the car, we're heading to this protest. How do you feel? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> no, that's why we're having this chat. We're just kind of shooting the shit. Um, and, um, and yeah, I'm kind of nervous too. Uh, we don't know. This is the first protest that we're organizing through Cosbar, and we're doing it with We the Females. And um, a couple of us are coming out as gender critical for the first time today. Uh, I came out uh, a couple of weeks ago when our show got cancelled and uh, um, by uh, uh, Anchor. It got, it got booted off of Anchor because of one single complaint from a guy who has a porn podcast okay and so we get we get knocked off apple wouldn't accept us they they accepted us and then they rejected us for no reason summarily they don't even give you any explanation you can appeal it but it doesn't really matter so we went to the we went to the post millennial amy uh my my friend and uh and uh colleague and hijinks here on the show 
uh, writes for the Post Millennial. She brought it to Libby Emmons, and Libby wrote a story for us. And I was just really so uh, angry that that would happen that I just said, okay, that's it. This is the inciting incident. I'm going to just um, give my name. I'm, I'm coming out um, as uh, my real name. And uh, on the show, I'm Esme. And I'm, I think I like Esme, and I'm going to keep that as my my alter ego. Um, I like it. <laughs> and and it, it's also part of my history because it was my great-grandmother's name was Esmeralda. So, you know, it's like we're connecting with history in so many different ways, right? And uh, anyway, we're some of us are, are anxious. And why? So, look, Heather, the reason I love you is that you've been out, so out, like you burst onto the scene as like, I have something to say about what's going on in women's prisons, and this is wrong, and I'm going to speak out about it, and you just burst on, and you've been so candid about your life, your struggles, your opinions, and I do love a mouthy woman, and that's, that's why I love you. But, so why are you possibly nervous today, because you're, you're, you're Ms. Big Mouth, I am 100% an introvert. I don't like crowds. I don't like people. I don't like speaking. I don't like being the center of attention. Um, you wouldn't know that. No. With like all my, my jobs and everything I do, but yeah. I am like, I really struggle with it. So I don't prepare for speeches. I don't think about what I'm doing because if I do then my anxiety gets going and I want to be sick and so I just like I have gravel by the way <laughs> so yeah just pretend that it's not happening and then just force myself when I have to do something okay <laughs> yeah I didn't prepare any speeches today I didn't prepare my speech but I do have an idea of the the points I want to hit hopefully I won't make a complete fool of myself I am very simpatico with you on that in that I pass for an extrovert as well, but I'm really an introvert. Yeah. And somebody explained it to me um, years ago and it just made so much sense. You know, when we hear the word introvert, we think that it's about shyness. And I was a very shy child, um, but I, I got over that. Like when I went, went away to school and stuff like that, I mean, I learned how to do the small talk and everything. And that's really a part of overcoming shyness is just having strategies to deal with things but um but what introversion and extroversion are really about is about energy so an introvert when we're around people or we're the center of attention or we're in big crowds or we're with like high energy situations we find it very depleting yeah and so then once we do things like that then we have to go back home and cocoon and re-energize and reset our batteries and so on whereas an extrovert they love they feed off the energy they get energy from these situations and so uh, i understand there's about 80 percent um in the world 80 percent of humans are extroverts and 20 percent are introverts so the world is made for extroverts and that's why we kind of feel out of place a lot of the times so I I totally I totally hear you yeah and I need a lot of my like alone time like no I don't want to go out no I don't want to talk to anyone no I'm not mad at you I just want to be alone for a week yeah. <laughs> like no it's totally I can 
I work from home and I have no problem whatsoever. I mean, I have a lot of mental stimulation. I'm running a business from home. I'm always in contact with people. Then we're so busy with the cause bar work as well. And we have such a great um, sisterhood with the founders. And then as we're expanding with the underground resistance movement that we're creating right across Canada, I'm talking on the phone with women across Canada. It's really, really, um, it's just, um, it's gratifying and it's really nice to connect with the other women and then we've got with the founders we've got to know each other so well yeah um it's been a real big help and especially through these endless lockdowns um uh, we just feel like we're doing you know we were doing phone calls at first and then of course like every the entire world we switched over to zoom um we're constantly on chat with each other updating and the other thing is is there's so much going on in the world right now with um, gender criticism um, that it's super even straight. hard to keep up. Super, oh, super straight. Yeah, yeah. Super straight. Talk about that. What the, what the hell is super... I mean, I'm, I'm kind of following it slightly, but uh, Posey Parker, Kelly J. Keene is doing, uh, doing an action on that, I saw. But, like, what's your take on this whole thing? I don't know. I just, I saw it was like tagged and like trending on Twitter and everything so I went and looked at the TikTok video and I got a good laugh out of it but yeah the irony is just hilarious so explain it to me so somebody on there was pushback against some trans activists because it was it all to do with the fact that they think that straight men should should accept trans women in their dating pool and then somebody made a joke about that like nah I couldn't possibly do that I'm, I'm super straight or how did that happen is that was that it there was a guy um, on TikTok and he said that he was making up a new sexuality <laughs> because when um when he says he only wants to date like women who were born women and are still women he gets called transphobic so he was like, well, you're not going to invalidate my sexuality. Like, my sexuality is super straight, and this is who I like. And now he has, like, a flag and everything. And there's, really? like, it's just, like, it's blown up. It's, oh, it's crazy. And there's also super gay and super lesbian. Awesome. Yeah. See, I mean, haven't we been struggling from the very beginning of, of working in this movement? It's like, okay, so if trans women are women then what are we? If trans women are women, women are trans women. But how do we distinguish ourselves as a distinct, unique class of human being? And there was never any answer. And now, yeah, superwoman. We're superwomen. <laughs> there we go, superwoman. Hey, we just coined something. I remember I celebrated my very first ever International Women's Day in Grand Valley Institution for Women. Full circle. Yeah. This is so cool. Full circle. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm getting goosebumps just you telling me that. I know. Are you tearing up? Because <laughs> this is only my second time doing something on Women's International Day. Yeah. So it's crazy. The last time at GBI, now it's GBI. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we going to expect? I mean, we think, okay, there are COVID regulations. So we have to, um, have no more than 25 people 25 in a group in yeah. Kitchener see because this is so weird it's such in this province of Ontario there's a patchwork quilt of measures of COVID measures so you're supposed to go I mean I, we can't even keep up with like what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do 
right? Yeah. So, um, JFC. <laughs> LOL, OMG. SMDH. <laughs> yeah, so. What are we expecting? Groups of 25 or less. So if more than 25 people come, we have to tell them to go over, like cross the road or go over here. So like we can have like a thousand people, but they have to be in groups of 25. Right. It makes and literally each, no sense. Each social distance. <laughs> yeah. Se- like 25, six feet apart. Yeah. Well, it, it'll be okay anyways. We have masks and we have sanitizers and we have pylons so that people don't park in the prison. Right. And we have signs and if like a lot of people show up, they can go down the other road and stand out front of the minimum security unit. Right. Okay. So, and you and Carolyn have it all worked out. Like Carolyn's done so much and so have you to do this. And, and we have, um, some of our other members, there was a group of how many and, and we're all over like some are in Toronto, some are in Kitchener. We have one of our members is a Canadian expat in Japan. Um, she's been instrumental in helping us. We have Ottawa represented, yeah. um, and we have um, Vancouver um, yeah. represented. Like, so there were there's a group of how many women just like for like the last month putting this together. Like people, this is what it has to. Let, yeah, I mean, I'm sure most people understand this, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people don't. When you see a protest happen, it's not just like the spontaneous thing about people getting together and just like, hey, let's go get some signs and stand outside. Well, I mean, a lot of a the lot times of, it is. I know, but like, but when you want to do it properly, yeah. logistics, I mean, we alerted the media, we did all this yeah. stuff. We got, we got a story in the Toronto Sun for God bless uh, Brad Hunter, who's the one who's on this beat covering trans women. Talk about some of the stories that he's covered um for and and uh in the sun because he's he's really uh really doing a great job putting um shining a light on this particular project uh problem yeah i think he's done um three or four stories for me actually so i met him um november 2019 i believe so we actually met for um a drink and discussed um, all the prison stuff and he wrote an article for me then and then he also did an article on Michael Williams who's that Michael Williams is the one that raped and killed um, Nina she's 13 year old indigenous oh, girl. Right. oh my god um, and he was transferred to Fraser Valley for women and there was incidents and allegations and stuff that happened there and he transferred back to Kent, a men's institution. And the guys on range there told me that Michael beat up another trans inmate and was transferred east. So when they tell me, so, and I've learned, when someone in BC tells you east, they do not mean the east coast. They actually mean like Alberta or Saskatchewan. <laughs> so oh. I thought they meant he was transferred to the East Coast, but Michael was transferred to Saskatchewan. Okay. So he's in Saskpen. Um, so yeah, he did an article about him. And then he also did an article about Steve Mellenbacher, the one that is on the sexual assault and crim- criminal harassment charge and is actually going through court for that right now. 
and the female is incarcerated in Grand Valley right now. Still. Wow. Yeah. And then he just did the, the protest article. Yep, he did. So that's really great. Um, and uh, one of the logistics problems in doing this protest in which women are so at risk for speaking out uh, for our, our rights and our protections is that we received threats and from counter protesters and so we just really did not want to put the word out really too early uh, that would give counter protesters a lead time because they're really vicious uh, they're very uh, uh, violence uh, oriented um, and um, and clearly highly misogynist and so um, for women to protect themselves, for us to protect ourselves, we really have to be smart. We have to use a lot of different strategies. And what that violence directed at us does also is it makes us apprehensive about even going out to protest in the first place. I mean, and rightly so. Um, and especially because so many women have already been traumatized in their lives with you know, physical um, abuse, sexual, emotional abuse from men. Um, and so, of course, the idea of going out and being yelled at by, by a bunch of um, really super angry men who hate women, uh, is, does, of course it would be uh, a deterrent for women. And, and so this is a form of terrorism, really, against women to affect your, your, your personal liberties, your freedoms and so on, that is terrorism. So we're, challenge, we're choosing to challenge for women, International Women's Day and I'm really happy to be doing this with you, Heather. I'm so happy that you came into my life and that we're working together and doing all these things and uh, yeah, I'm just being a bit mushy right now, but it is emotional doing this it's kind of cool because the last like um event we went to where there was like a protest um madeline you me like we were all there and now we're going here that's and that's right. the first one we've been to since the megan murphy event when i'm like scarred for life i swear to god that was the craziest shit i've ever experienced in my life yeah, like and with everybody. the with the police there too oh my god my anxiety was like through the roof because i'm petrified of police right so like it's like the one person that i have to protect me and that I need to go to if I need help is the person I'm scared of. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who do I turn to? The I protest people or the police who give me PSD, PS, PTSD? Holy yeah. I can't even talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yeah, and for anybody who's unaware, what uh, Heather's uh, referring to is the Megan Murphy talk in Toronto at the Public Library in 2019, in which. Uh, the counter-protesters were given tons of lead time and there were hundreds and hundreds of people there and they it was a really violent scene um, you can look it up we the females made a great video showing it it, it, it um, shows the juxtaposition between the violence going on outside directed at women and what Megan Mur Murphy's words were on the inside of the library which were completely eminently uh, measured reasoned logical 
no hate whatsoever, completely, you know, um, pro-woman, not anti-trans, pro-woman, and this is, you know, um, check it out on We The Females on their uh, YouTube channel, and that we were at that, and I actually never experienced a hate mob like that in my life. Never. And I couldn't even believe this was Canada. I was just like, this is my country where I feel safe at all times. I mean, I clearly haven't had the troubled background that you have, Heather, and you've had, you know, rumbled with police and stuff like that, and they've and they've actually hurt you and and they've 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 abused you. For for me like a lot of women you know the police officer is your friend like if you were you if you were in trouble you'd have no trouble um running to a police officer that's how canada has been that's you know for the vast majority of people and now i don't even tr i don't trust them because they've been ideologically captured i never thought i'd say this about the police i mean things have changed so much and also even for the covid measures in toronto it's a police state. They're they're actually roughing people up and arresting them and hauling them off in paddy wagons for standing and holding a sign to assert their charter right to have an opinion about the COVID measures. I mean, what's going on? Now, I mean, this is a way for us to be empathetic to people like you who have had trouble with, with the police, you know? Um, it's just It's just crazy. I, what's this doing to society? It's like, you know, if you can't trust your authority figures, uh, what, I think the, the, the devolution of, of society is, is in full swing right now. Our structures, our institutions are being subverted. This is all, you know, related to queer theory as well. You know, they yeah. just want to, they want to burn it down. They want to. They want to subvert everything, turn everything on its head. It's topsy turvy. We got into a little bit of this with uh, Graham Linehan on uh, our last episode, just talking about that. It's just like everything is, everything is disordered, you know. And there's lots of theories as to why that might might have happened, but uh, we're we're dealing with it right now on a practical level. We're almost to Kitchener. Do you want to say? Should we just like uh, end it here, and so that we can have some quiet time to uh, reflect before we get there? And and the and the two two introverts have to show up and smile and, <laughs> and say things. I say need a, a coffee. Like, want to get a coffee? Yeah, there's a Tim Horton. Okay, let's get a coffee. Um, Heather, thank you. Thank you for everything. Any final words on this little? Uh, Exclusive. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm excited. Um, I'll be okay. You'll I'll be awesome. Be, You're be always okay. awesome. Everybody's like so in awe of you. Like, how does she do it? It's amazing. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. This Woo. is amazing. Woo! Woo!
on the outside. And Heather, we thank you so much. I want to also thank Carolyn Brzozowski. I don't even know this. Carolyn! <laughs> Carolyn, who I know as Madeline Riversong. <laughs> Madeline Riversong started We the Females Canada. And one of the great things about Cosbar is that we're able to partner with women's organizations across Canada who are concerned about women's sex-based rights. Carolyn has been the driving force behind today getting all of this organized. So, Carolyn, I'm going to hand it over to you. Thank you so much for everything. I remember when this prison was built in 1997. I was younger then. And I was impressed with something and it stuck in my mind. I was impressed that this prison was built for women. It was built with women in mind with their specific characteristics. The abuse of power that is happening is because our government institutions refuse to differentiate between a woman and someone who feels like a woman. This distinction is essential. As humans, our bodies are the most fundamental and real thing about us. As females, we share certain experiences related to our biology. All women understand fear. We scan our environment, assess the risk factors, and limit our activities so that we can avoid the very real threat of assault. That's because although we are fierce and capable people, our bodies have built-in vulnerabilities that require spaces that are separate from men. Governments of this world knew this back in 1949 when the Geneva Convention stated that women and prisoners of war should have separate spaces from men. And so back in 1949, women in, in hostile countries had, had more rights than women here in Canada in 2021, and that is wrong. The Geneva Convention was humane. It separated women from men. And it was a humane thing to do then, and it's a humane thing to do now. Yes! We are women. We have the right to be consulted about policies that affect our spaces and our safety. Our Prime Minister did not consult women at all. We are women. We have sex-based charter rights to safety, privacy in prisons, in shelters, in bathrooms, and in locker rooms across this country. We are here to advocate for the rights of women and behind that fence. And we demand that GBI return to its original purpose as a female-only prison.
So this policy is completely one-sided. It is only for males who identify as women, and it's only a policy that is for a select few. So we have downloaded 100% of the risk of male violence from men's prisons onto women. So we are now infringing upon our charter rights as well as discriminating against women. And we are being used as shields to protect men who identify as women. There is a woman inside Grand Valley right now who's going through court. She has Steve Mellenbacher on criminal harassment charges and sexual assault charges. She is inside Grand Valley right now and he's out on bail. And he's Steve again, guys. He's not Sam. Imagine that. Of course. Of course he's Steve. Of course. <laughs> it's not the only one either. There's been incidents at Fraser Valley. There's been incidents at the Healing Lodge. There's been incidents in Edmonton for women. There have been incidents here at Grand Valley. And there's also been incidents at Nova. It does need to stop. As far as I know, there are about 14 of them that have been transferred. Most of them, pretty much all but two, I believe it's two, have only had surgery. The rest are not on hormones. They have not had surgery. And up until they decided to transfer, they weren't even identifying as women. So now we have sexual assault, harassment, physical assault, we have pregnancies, STD scares, assaults between the women because of the complex dysfunctional relationships that are going on inside, and it is a mess. The entire thing is a mess, and this policy does not make any sense. If we really were thinking about the safety and the needs of trans women, then we are doing them a disservice. Trans women are trans women. Women are women. It doesn't... No one 
right now we are not safe. We have prolific serial pedophiles staying in the prison with us who are taking female sex offender programming. They're not receiving any programming that they're supposed to get because now they're getting female programming. So if we were to actually care about everybody, we would be making a policy that helped everybody. That would be making a wing designed for them with their unique needs and life experiences, a tailored environment, proper programming, and I could keep going on and on, but I think you guys get the point. This policy has to go, and we are here today to demand the immediate removal of all male prisoners that are inside women's prisons across Canada, not just in Canada. Okay, so we're sitting in the after protest party. Party. <laughs> Celebratory meal. We're sharing a meal. We don't often get together in the time of COVID, but we're able to do that in this jurisdiction, which is really great. Two separate tables of four people. Um, Facing a particular way, and if you stand up, you must put your mask on or get kicked out, but still, it's really nice. Yeah, it's great to spend time together. So, Carolyn. AKA Madeline Riversong. Oh no, you just doxed me. <laughs> you, the speech, yeah. you outed yourself. I did, and you outed yourself, Lisa Vespi. I did. I did. So It's our coming out party. It is. We're it having is. a beer and having a coming out party. Super beer. We're out. We're and now we're super out. And now. And we're super straight. And we're super straight. <laughs> just going to keep going because that protest was awesome today. I felt amazing supporting Heather and the people behind the fence from being you know, violated and it was so great to have um, women standing together just putting those signs out and walking around playing some chick empowerment music. It was phenomenal. The sun was shining. We were together. We were, you know, we were fighting an important cause, and I am so pumped that I just want to do another protest. I cannot wait to do another protest. Where can we protest next? We're on a roll. Well, we were talking about it, and we were thinking that the strategy is, because it's, it, it worked so well in, here in Kitchener, and we got a lot of honking on the road. That, that was, was amazing, part. right? Everyone was looking at our signs, and they're saying, yeah, you know, men should men shouldn't be raping women in women's prisons. That is a very good idea. They were totally supportive. Like, how can we argue with that? I know. The so we're thinking, too. let's avoid, let's avoid the bubbles. Let's avoid the yeah. woke bubbles of like, pro why protest? Well, okay, let's, Chris. We got Chris, the billboard guy, sitting with us, who came <laughs> all the way from Vancouver. Chris, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I flew in last night, I've slept for an hour, and I'm going to be hitting up a bunch of universities for the next week, but Madeline, or Caroline, was <laughs> nice enough to invite me to come out and and that was fun to see. That's awesome. So talking about strategy, uh, so it sort of a, occurred to us today that, you know, Kitchener, 
we're getting we're well received here. Yeah. If we did this in Toronto and down to, the counter protesters would be they'd be texting each other and they'd be over within 15 minutes um, harassing us. And you you're getting a lot of harassment in Vancouver, but you've been other places as well, other cities. Yeah, I've been to Victoria a few times. I've, I came to Toronto and Ottawa and Montreal in November. Right. Well. Yeah. So what are your general uh, takeaways from like going all over the country and just seeing how the reactions are? Like in, in the woke bubbles of Toronto, Vancouver, yeah. Montreal, it, do, are you getting like much more abuse or are, you, are, there, are there any places where, the, like here? The like, worst city by far is Victoria. Vancouver would be second. Um, Vancouver is definitely more woke than Eastern Canada. But I don't really worry about the counter protesters and those sorts of people because, because you're seven feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're way taller than I imagined. <laughs> I'm only I'm six two and a bit. But um, uh -huh. yeah, I don't know. I don't worry about them because that's not who we're trying to reach, right? And it's just noise. But see, that's the difference between being a man and a woman. Maybe yeah. Because a man, and especially a tall man, is, and a young, fit man, is young. not going to be... So young. Uh, well, you know, you're not 90. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, not, you're not going to feel intimidated by anybody who's um, trying to terrorize you. Whereas women, I mean... So Heather was saying on the way in, in the car, that um, Carolyn, you, I, and Heather didn't even know each other. Faye and I went together. Faye and I went together to the... So we already knew each other from Cosbar. Um, and we were sitting there together in the audience, just amazed about what was going on. But... And the question and answer was interesting because woman after woman, if you remember, got up and said, how do we find each other? How do we find each other? And Faye and I just sat there side by side lovingly, knowingly, knowing that... Yeah, we had already, we had, at that point, we had already all met on Spinster, like the founding original group. So it was in October, right? Halloween. Around yeah. Halloween. Yeah. So we'd been in, like, kind of planning for two months, and we were starting to get stuff together, like the website was getting built. And, right, and but we were... Megan mentioned me at that talk, and then... Karen messaged me. I think. Right. But you and I, we hadn't actually, Faye, you and I hadn't met yet, no, but we, we knew who you were. And I don't yeah, know whether we you were pulled in on a phone call for Cosbar yet. Had you been? Oh, no, 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 no. You contacted somewhere along the line the weeks, the couple weeks after we got in touch. That was when it right. Okay. But we certainly didn't know Carolyn yet. No. <clears throat> for sure. And then here we are today at our own protest. But the thing is, is that from that protest, it was very frightening. It was very, very frightening. Now, I know, Chris, that you have a different um, uh, take on it. And part of, part of it, because you're a man you're, and, and you're tall and, and fit. Super but, strong. Yeah. And super strong. <laughs> and very, like, super strong, super straight, super man. Super straight, yeah. Oh, and we made, up a, we made up a new term. You know how the super straight? We're super women. <laughs> you're a superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you're a superman. So, um, what is? But so, so what? Wait, how, how do you feel about? I it just now? want to comment about the fear. Yeah. So, the uh, the event, like the Megan Murphy talk at the libraries, those are a little different than when you just go out on the street mm. to have conversations with people, because that's a known event where there's going to be a hundred people at it. 
So obviously you're going to get all the counter-protesters organizing and coming out to try to intimidate and scare people. Mm -hmm. But if you just go out on the street and just have conversations with people, grab a dude, grab a few friends, it's really not that scary. Yes, there's a lot of abuse, but most of the abuse, this might not be popular, but it's true, most of the abuse comes from young women. Um, because this ideology, for some reason, has really taken hold with young women. This isn't that surprising when you think about it, because it's all young girls that are transitioning these days. And it's mostly. also about higher empathy as well, right? Yeah. Like, they're feeling yes. sorry for this oppressed group that, you know, needs to be protected, and so they're kind of almost maternal instincts coming out. There is totally that. And then there's the university courses, which are almost 100% women that are taking all these gender studies classes. Um, like when I go to Victoria, they have the only transgender chair in the world in that university. It was funded by Jennifer Pritzker. And they do so much outreach into that community that you can see it. I get so much more abuse from everyone there than I would get even in Vancouver. Vancouver is pretty bad too, depending on where you go, depending on the time of the day. Later in the day, there's more young people out and about, so you get more abuse. On the weekends, you get more abuse. But really, it's overwhelmingly supportive. It honestly is. It's more than 80% of people are supportive. It's just they don't make much noise. It's these few other people. And there are men, of course, as well. And it is, like, you do have to take your precautions because I've been hit and I've been, I've had Antifa come at me, but I also put myself in that position where I went to a huge function at the art gallery where there are 1,500 people. And uh, I didn't need to do that, but. I just like to go to crowds and have conversations and I was yeah. a little bit surprised that police didn't think I should be there but um, well again it's all anyway there are rights, safe ways right? to do it like we don't have to hide yeah um, I think it's really important for women to stay safe yeah. and to feel safe but some of us are in a position where we can be out and where we can uh, be doing things and we can show up at events and even though we're not the provocateurs or provocateuses en français um, you know as some of us can be though like you know today we were the provocateurs <laughs> most men are very much against this ideology so yeah like find some men and just get them to come out with you just tell your husband too bad. Oh, yeah. You're not playing football today. You're coming out yeah. to a protest for women's rights with me today. Or I'm not... We're having conversations like yeah. this, too. I mean, we uh, Graham Linehan was the last guest on the podcast, and yeah. we talked about it, about how do we get the men involved. Yeah. And, th and we're going to be strategizing more about yeah. that. But we, yeah. we do want the broadest base possible. And like you said, most people are against this um, ideology but they don't want to say anything and this and we understand strategically that that's what we have on our side right. is that but how do you uh, draw them in and um, from the the work that I've done previously I, I understand that um, and I learned this from a really good um, organizer of nonviolent action his name is Serge Popovich um, and he talks about the fact that People get involved when it becomes personal. They're not going to be involved until, so until it's your son or daughter or niece or 
even your neighbor and, and whatever, until you see it happening to a young person or until you see, you know, you have a friend who's a trans widow or until you, you know what I mean? That's the way it's going to happen, that people will get involved that way. And as the ideology grows and more young people are sucked in and, and more middle-aged and older people feel emboldened, to like come out as trans and like start manipulating everybody in their lives like this. Um, until that happens, I think that's when we're going to start seeing just that 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 vast middle moderate centrist um, part of the population who is like, no, no, that's wrong, right? Yeah, I get so many men and women walking by who just in a really quick interaction will express so much support or a man the other day just you know saw my sign and he's like love the sign have you read Abigail Schreier's book because he'd read it and I know nothing about this man we didn't get to have a talk but he was just completely disgusted by this whole movement and so there is awareness growing out there and I think if we just make a concerted effort to find more people to get out on the streets with us they're there they'll come but most people don't yeah. want to do it on their own. Just get a little group together and they'll come. Yeah. I'm totally confident in it because people get it. Of course, not all of them can because of cancel culture, but... Right. The court discovers yeah. that. So it's been such a great day. I think we're all kind of a little... Well, we're, we're jubilant, but we're kind of exhausted at yeah. the same time, right? It's been a tough lead up, but it has. Yeah. I think one of my highlights, I mean, if we could talk about highlights today, Yeah. Um, when, when I saw a number of women out there, I think we had 35 all together, standing together, six feet apart, um, holding those signs and people were driving by honking in support and we got this overwhelmingly positive support from the people that were driving by and I know that people were like, what the heck? A few people stopped. They stopped and said, what's going on here? Are you kidding me? Why are men in women's prisons? And they had no idea. So we know that we got out of our bubble today and that our signs were shocking because we were saying rapists in women's prisons, you know, that's kind of shocking. It stopped people and it, it shocked them. And that's what needs to happen because the truth is shocking. It's an unbelievable scandal that is going on in our country right now. And it's buried and it's coming out. We brought it out today. And it, because we had the authentic story of people who were one, like we had more than one person, we had more, more than one prisoner there today, former prisoner. But because I think Heather, you were so articulate and able to speak so well, you just got the story out. Not only um, on the video that we took, but in front of CTV, the first media that has ever covered this story in like years, right? In what at least the last two years. So, I mean, I'm just pumped. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks to everybody who's here and who came and helped out and um, my um, partners in crime. Uh, we have uh, Faye and Heather and Madeline. Carolyn. Carolyn. <laughs> Mad Carolyn. Chris, thanks for being here. And we have some... I don't know whether to say. Can I say? Can sure. I say? I'd also like to thank Carolyn's husband, Joe, and sister, Kelly. And thanks for all your help, because um, 
and Dixie. And my best friend Dixie. And Heather. <laughs> yes. And Heather's best friend Dixie here. Yeah. I mean, we've got a great little group of us here celebrating. So thank you to everyone. Yes. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Gender Critical Story Hour is written and produced by Amy Hamm and Esme V. Intro music by Nahanda. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us your peak trans stories, how gender identity ideology has impacted your life, or just say hi and let us know your thoughts about the podcast. Write to us at gendercriticalstoryhour at gmail.com. Tweet to us at gcstoryhour. Take care. Keep strong and keep talking. Bye for now. Gender Critical Story Hour is sponsored by the Mythical Biological Female. I'm your mind, so take me as I am. Take me as I am.